Welcome to another episode of the Community Board Podcast with your host Miguel Valdez. And today I have here a friend, Evie Stewart, a gynecologist that works at Mayo Clinic. And uh, we're going to be talking about her project. And I want you to remember to please follow us, subscribe to our Community Board Podcast at uh, in iTunes. And also follow us on Facebook and Twitter on their community board. Hi, Abby. How you doing? Thanks for inviting me, Miguel. This is exciting. No, I'm I'm so happy that you're here because you have a really important topic uh, that you want to share with the community. And uh, and uh, I have a mom. I have a sister. I have a wife. Uh, I have two daughters. So I would like uh, to to learn more about this. Can you tell our friends? What are we going to be talking about today? Yeah, we're going to be talking about uterine fibroids, and it's it's um, important that you're listing all the women in your life uh, because statistically, at least one in four women will have clinically significant fibroids, and estimates are that if you look carefully enough, um, almost three quarters of all women have uterine fibroids. Wow. Hard, hard to believe. It's the most common orphan disease. One of my friends says. Okay, and and how did you get into this field? How do you get your interest in on fibroids? Well, this is a field where I've been working for about twenty five years. That uh, fibroids are actually the leading cause of hysterectomy. And what does that mean? Well, hysterectomy means taking out the uterus or the womb. And um, it's amazing that um, in a woman's lifetime in the U.S., about 45% of all women will end up having a hysterectomy. And most people think hysterectomies are primarily for cancer. And this uh, happened after pregnancy, or, or you don't have to be even... Well, it can happen after pregnancy, but one of the saddest things in the world is when it happens to young women who want a pregnancy, and they lose that chance Okay. Uh, that fibroids um, cause um, at least half of all hysterectomies, and that there are a number of less invasive options, that, but many women don't know about them, and some doctors don't present the whole range of treatment options. Okay, and since when is this procedure has been has been done? Well, um, fibroid treatments have been around for more than a hundred years. Oh, okay. um, that fibroids cause a lot of symptoms for women. Uh, they cause heavy and long menstrual bleeding. So women often have uh, periods that will last seven, ten, fourteen days. It can lead to anemia. And the fibroids can also get so large that a woman looks like she's pregnant when she's not. And it can press on her bladder or her bowel or give her lots of symptoms. So women often come in looking for relief of their symptoms. Okay. And there are um, alternatives to hysterectomy, some surgeries, some minimally invasive procedures. Okay. And, and the H, the these ladies are being affected by this range yeah. because it sounds yeah. like you mentioned. Well, the, the, most women are affected in their late 30s or 40s, but some new research suggests that particularly for African-American women, mm -hmm. um, they can start to get symptoms in their teens, that uh, fibroids are more common and more severe in women of African descent. Okay. Um, and... What can people do to prevent? Is this any preventive? 
Right now, we don't have good prevention strategies. Okay. So the real clue is to recognize that you have them and um, try to minimize symptoms and minimize uh, the kinds of interventions you end up having. And does this run, is heritarian? Does it can be run in yes, a family? Yes, it can run in families. Um, that, um, uh, that, again, we don't have specific genes yet that seem to cause fibroids. Uh, but And that's one of the reasons why many women don't recognize that there is a problem. If their mom had bad periods, all of their sisters what had What would bad it be, periods. for friends who are listening, what would it be the symptoms that you would uh, yeah. so the most, call your attention? The most common uh, symptom is heavy or prolonged menstrual periods. So the kind of periods where you often have to stay home from work for a day or it's difficult to go more than an hour uh, without getting into social embarrassment. Uh, mm -hmm. We've had women who are teachers who've had to change their schedule because they have to leave the classroom every hour. Or uh, a bus driver who couldn't make it through her route without stopping because she had such profound bleeding. Okay. And is pain along with it too? Pain or is, pain is or seen with bleeding. the bleeding. Um, that, that again, some women have um, severe pain during their periods. Other women have pain throughout the month because of the size of the fibroids. They can get to be um, where they're uh, enlarged like a pregnant uterus. So like pregnant ladies have back pain or, or um, discomfort in their abdomen, uh, that that's another common um, symptom. So if somebody has fibroids, um, can they go through pregnancy and then find out after the pregnancy or? Well, um, rarely fibroids give you problems getting pregnant, but not okay. always. Um, so women can have uh, fibroids uh, during pregnancy and not have any problems. Or not being detected? Uh, well, these days they're usually detected during pregnancy because okay. most people have an ultrasound during pregnancy. Oh. But fibroids are also associated with increased risk of pregnancy complications. So some women do have problems during pregnancy that are due to the fibroids. Wow, okay. Um, and also you want to share with us and everybody listening uh, study that you, you're working? Can you tell us a little bit yeah, about it? Yeah, we're, we're really excited to be part of this big national study that's funded um, by uh, two big uh, healthcare agencies, the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality and the Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute. So um, it's a big study and the goal- and that's national? That's national. And you here in Rochester are participating? We are participating in Rochester. We're going to be um, rolling out throughout um, other communities in um, uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin over the next couple of months. What about um, Iowa? Okay. Iowa, we won't have a specific site, okay. uh, but uh, we have sites in California and Mississippi oh, and North I Carolina. Uh, there, are, there are nine clinical sites, and we're going to recruit 10,000 women over three years because what this, this research is about is a comparative effectiveness study. So even if a woman finds out she has fibroids mm -hmm. and comes in to talk to her healthcare provider and gets a full list of the available treatment options, we're not able to tell her, well, for you, this option is best. 
based on your age or your race or your kind of fibroid. Mm -hmm. So we want to be able to get individualized information to women to be able to say uterine artery embolization is the best treatment for you and your particular goals. Whereas for somebody else, it may be uh, surgery, uh, like a myomectomy, where the fibroid can be removed, um, and sometimes in a minimally invasive fashion. And when they are removed, do they come back sometimes or no? Well, it, How does that it work? can, yes. Uh, that's the problem. So I, I think of fibroids more like high blood pressure. It needs to be controlled and managed. So the lifestyle Would that take in consideration yeah, of the Yeah, th there's or? a lot of evidence that lifestyle changes do have an effect on fibroids. We don't think we can prevent fibroids okay. or cure fibroids, but uh, certain kinds of high-fat diets are associated with increased risk of fibroids. Certain vitamin deficiencies are associated with fibroids. So there are some things that women can do with a healthy lifestyle to minimize the risk of fibroids. Uh, but Uh, generally, it's a problem for reproductive age women. At menopause, your symptoms tend to go away, especially um, your, your uh, symptoms related to your periods. When you stop having periods, it's not an issue for you. Okay. And who would it be ideal or who can participate in this uh, study that you're mentioning? We're looking for reproductive age women, so basically women between 18 and 54, who have symptomatic fibroids, and um, that they're allowed to choose. When you say symptomatic, that means they, they've been diagnosed with it or or, well, they've or been, have those symptoms? Like they've been diagnosed and that they have at least some symptoms. I mean, nobody wants to go through a treatment if you see something on ultrasound, but it's not bothering you. So uh, we want to recruit women going through all kinds of uh, uh, procedural therapies and follow them for at least three years. So it's a pretty simple study. You um, answer some questions before you have your treatment, and then we follow up at one, two, and three years to see how you're doing. And based on that information, we want to prepare information to guide other women so that we can learn which treatment is best for which women. Great, and besides that age, uh, what else would it be another criteria for somebody to participate? Um, well, you need to be affiliated with one of the study sites so that we okay. can not only get information about you, okay. but information about your procedure. So, you know, some of the things we're looking so for. So in that case, let's say somebody who is being seen here at Mayo Clinic. Mm -hmm. I mean, at Mayo Clinic where you work. Well, we, uh, the study right now is only at Mayo Clinic, oh. but we're going to be rolling out to uh, – some of the Mayo Clinic health system sites, um, and again, like I say, nationwide. Uh, the University of California has five different sites. Okay. Um, there are sites in Boston and Detroit and okay. uh, North Carolina and Mississippi. We're going to be putting a link uh, on the page so people can follow up once we have that information live. So. Perfect. Perfect. And, and we have expert uh, statistical analysis uh, through the Duke uh, University Data Coordinating North Center. Carolina. Okay. So they're going to be the people who are heading up the study analysis. Great. Great. Um, Abby, um, can you tell us a little bit about your book that you, that you wrote? I, 
Yeah. Uh, so I wrote a book uh, uh, a number of years ago now called Uterine Fibroids. Okay. Um, and the goal was really to allow women to learn about fibroids. I've been amazed at um, how some women uh, suffer through a lot before they realize uh, that there is a cause for their suffering and that there are treatments for them. So it goes over um, what fibroids are, uh, what things are associated with fibroids. It goes into detail about the various treatment options. Okay. Um, and it also talks about some related things. There's a lot of controversy today about how you decide, is this a fibroid or are you worried it could be a cancer? Um, are there other diseases that go along with it that we need to um, find out about? Okay. And do you, um, with your experience, do you think is in the community is acknowledged the African American ladies, women, are a higher chance? To yeah, that's that's the um, the thing that's least well known. And again, I think it it stems from the fact that it's so common in women of African descent that women just accept that they're going to have the terrible symptoms that their mothers and their um, uh, sisters and their aunts had. In fact. Um, uh, some of the research at the meeting I just came back from looked at um, some women who felt that they weren't really even allowed to make the right de treatment decision for them. They had family members that said, well, why don't you just get a hysterectomy and get it over with? And um, that's devastating for a young woman who wants to have a family or wants to have a bigger family to not realize that there are options other than hysterectomy. Okay. And where this... Um Going a little bit with trust, do you think uh, in the African-American community was in the past uh, mass, I mean, bad, um, how you say, uh, ethics mm -hmm. in the past that you think there's a, a little gap there on trust well, I think that's, regarding, uh, you know, yeah. having some procedures done with no really understanding yeah, I, I think there's always a question of trust uh, between medical researchers and, and uh, communities where there's mm -hmm. been a history of, of discrimination. I think um, that being open and, um, uh, you know, addressing women's concerns um, uh, really is particularly important in that case. And, and we've been very lucky over the years uh, to develop that kind of trust uh, with African-American women. I think um, even in clinical care, it's an issue that, um, again, what some women feel that doctors aren't listening to them, that they aren't taking the time to explain about um, all of the treatment options. Uh, many women will come back from a consultation with a doctor who and feel, oh, he's just trying to, to get a hysterectomy. You know, mm -hmm. He wants to increase his surgery. It's not about me. It's about... Uh, you know, this is what I do. And so I think um, institutions that have um, patient-centered uh, treatment, uh, are, which are committed to comprehensive assessment of um, treatment options, really helps bridge that gap. Great. So, and I guess, well, you're taking the first step by uh, bringing the conversation 
Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I think I, I think that's critical. I mean, we don't want to end the study knowing that uh, you know treatment A is better than treatment B for white women because only only white women have enrolled in this study. We mm-hmm. would love to have uh, African American women, Latino women, Asian women um, enrolled in the study so we can potentially even see. Does your race make a difference in terms of what treatment option is best? Um, we've seen some of those effects in other diseases. And so um, to get um, a broad segment a person of the population. savers, yeah. Absolutely. Great. Anything else that, that you would you like to share with our audience? Well, I think um, education is important with this disease. Um, if you think you have some symptoms, uh, there's lots of resources on the web um, mm-hmm. that our study site is compare, C-O-M-P-A-R-E hyphen U-F dot org. Okay, and we're going to be posting also that. Yeah, there's resources there, but there are also good resources through the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, um, through uh, mayoclinic.com, through the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, uh, that there's a lot of good information about fibroid treatments. And so if you don't feel your symptoms are being taken um, seriously, or if you don't feel like you're being offered a full range of uh, treatment options, educate yourself. Okay, and um, where can people get information if they would like to participate in, in this study? In this study, uh, there is the web, uh, compareuf.org. Uh, uh, we also have an email address uh, that people can use, mayofibroids at mayo.edu. Okay. Um, and then there's the clinicaltrials.gov site uh, that will list all of the sites um, in the nine um, um, uh nine institution collaborations. So right. for women across the country, that's probably the blessing. And it's free of charge? Is it is free of charge. The um, And in fact, there's a small stipend for participating in the study. Okay. But you're, you absolutely choose your own treatment. Nobody's going to say, we, we need more women in this treatment group, or you're, you're assigned to that treatment group. Okay. So is, is um, how you say when somebody makes it just for you, uh, it's personalized, personalized. It's, and it's yeah. an observational study. So we're we're just observing what women choose, and tr- then uh, using that information to better predict what will help other women in the future. And we're looking. For, you're looking for thirty thousand participants. Ten thousand. Ten thousand. Yeah, wow. ten thousand women <laughs> over three years. So yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I think this is great, and and again, uh, having. Everybody has a woman in their family, no matter what. <laughs> otherwise, you're not, otherwise, you're not from this planet. Uh, this is great, and uh, I, I make sure I share this with my family. Is this, uh, I don't know, is this is a conversation that happens when women are talking? I'm talking from the men perspective. Do the ladies talk about this? Like, oh, I have horrible Sometimes they do, but even within women's groups, it's sometimes a hidden conversation. Um, And and you're right, absolutely, uh, the men in in our lives we should be bringing into the conversation instead of hiding things. But um, uh, in fact, one of the things that I've seen through my research is that sometimes I see a woman where there's no family history of fibroids on her mom's side of the family, 
but it's her dad's side of the family uh, that oh, seems to so carry the risk. Yeah. So, you know, again, if the dads are not involved in the, the conversation, they may not know. Oh, Aunt uh, Mary had um, a hysterectomy when she was in her 30s and, uh, uh, you know, that, that this is a problem that runs on the male side of the family. Okay. And it totally uh, it runs on the genes. You're right. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's genes and environment, um, but I think um, uh, you know. Do you it, think it has a? Does it shows up more on big urban settings? Have you, do you have any? Have you seen any trend on we that? We haven't really seen that. Um, you know that again, it's a disease that is seen both in the developed world and um, in the developing world. And in fact, okay. uh, women in Africa have uh, severe problems with fibroids, and, and again, often uh, more limited access to treatment options. Oh. Well, I guess the more we participate in these kind of studies, we'll learn more. And yeah, we we wish we'd done this thirty years ago, but uh, it's important now to get women good, up to date information. Great. Well, thank you, Abby, uh, for stopping in by stopping by today. And I want to uh, come back again and give us some updates or, or more resources because this kind of thing is always good to know and, and share with our loved ones. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the invitation. Thank you. No, thank you. And I want you. I want to remember all our our friends to please follow us on Facebook on Community Board. Look on their pages. Um, also follow us on Twitter on their community board also and uh we're going to be posting all this information that we talk about today links um subscribe on itunes look look up for community board podcast and also um find us in our page on their smartrightnetwork.net and we're going to have all the links all the information. How can you participate in this study? How can you be part of this podcast? How can you come and share your information? So stay tuned and enjoy the weather. Bye-bye. Thank you.